0: I was at I was at up my shopping in time. starting to line up, send all the hills, to Louisiana, shopping my China, some cookies before I hit the town. Oh. Well, good morning, Northridge. How y'all doing? It's so good to be back with you again. If you weren't here last week, my name is Steve Carter. I live in Chicago, but I love the state of Michigan. Guys, it's December 16th, um, which means it's only nine days to Christmas, which means for the fellas here, you have eight more days till you begin your Christmas shopping, right? Eight more days. And then the frantic December 24th, like, I got to get up early, I got to go, I got to go, I got to find some gifts. Um, but hey, I'm so excited to be back here with you. I want to take you back. If you're familiar with the scriptures, you will know that the Hebrew people, they liked to party. Uh, they, throughout the course of their, the calendar year, would have six celebrations. And these were massive feasts. They, they would have these times where they would come to Jerusalem to celebrate. Now, there were three of them that were centered around like harvest, And you get Passover in the spring. Six, seven weeks later, they had another one. And then in the fall, there was this massive celebration that we even see being celebrated during the days of Jesus. This celebration was somewhere between the middle of October and early November, depending on the moon cycle. Now, this celebration, this feast, was called the Feast of the Tabernacles. Maybe some of you have heard of it. Basically, back in the Old Testament, where God provided for the Hebrew people with manna. And and they didn't know if they were gonna have food in the wilderness, but God was so kind and so good, and he provided for them. And he led them through the wilderness towards the promised land. And so this was one of those gatherings where the people gotta take a week off of work, come to Jerusalem, and just party. They would dance, they would celebrate, and the big finale, was the last night, the last night. Now, the last night, they would gather at the temple. Now, during the days of Jesus, the temple was 30 acres. It was a tourist attraction. People from all over the ancient world would come to the temple. And on this last night, you have to imagine, it, it, it would be like the equivalent of Thanksgiving, good food, family, reunion, excitement, and Fourth of July. <laughs> It was a spectacle with lights. And this is what they would do, because they didn't have electricity. This is what would happen. They would find themselves gathering around. the music would be playing, and a priest, a priest who was considered holy, would take off like their undergarments that they weren't wearing anymore, they, they had, you know, worn out. And they would use these undergarments to be wicks. They would put these undergarments into these massive golden bowls filled with oil and then they would climb up a 75 foot ladder and then they would light up the temple. Here's an ancient Near East drawing of what this would look like. You can see the ladder and you can see people just celebrating and you would have instruments and it was kind of like the 4th of July. Just lighting up the the temple. Well, this is the backdrop in the book of John. John 7, John 8, where Jesus gets up and begins to say some words. And in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus, during the Feast of Tabernacles, has a message for the people. And this is what he says. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said this. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus walks up, and you're just gonna imagine this, the temple's lit up, people are dancing and celebrating, and there's this rabbi who gets up and says, I'm the light of the world, and whoever follows after me will never walk in darkness, and they will have the light of life. Now, basically, what he's saying is, I am the reason you're celebrating. I am the reason you are gathering and cheering. I am it. But the truth is, all the people missed it. And it just gets me thinking do you ever have those moments during Christmas time? where all of the opportunity for us to gather and think about the incarnation, God becoming a human, walking this earth, rescuing us, do we ever just get a point where we miss it? From company party, to family gathering, to just parking spaces at the mall, to presents, and, and yet I think Jesus is trying to remind us all, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows after me will never walk in darkness. And here's what I want to do. I want to help you prepare your heart. And I want to give you three lights. Three lights to prepare your heart so that you can light up your life in this season. Three lights to prepare your heart. And we're going to just walk through John chapter 8 verse 12. And I'm going to break down some of these passages and some of these words. And I'm going to give you three lights that hopefully in this season you won't miss Jesus. But you will follow him deeper and deeper and deeper. The first light we see in John chapter 8 verse 12 is a candlelight. And in John 8 12 it says this, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me. I'm the light of the world, whoever follows me. Now, you got to understand, when you think about the Old Testament, when the Hebrew people were in the wilderness, they were being led by a pillar of fire, and wherever the fire went, they followed it, and so this was customary to the whole feast of tabernacles. They remembered the story of following wherever the light went, that's where they would go, and when you get to the the, further along in the the Old Testament, Psalms, Psalm 119, you get these words like this in verse 5 of Psalm 119, the word is a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path. I remember a few years ago, I happened to be in Uganda, and I was probably about a mile out playing some soccer with some kids, and then the sun went down, which meant basically the entire electricity in this region was out. And I had brought a little lantern, and this little lantern just, you know, was kinda lit by fire, lit it, and I could walk back. And I could kind of only see just a step or two ahead of me. And I finally make it back to my hotel, and I'm just walking step by step by step. And a guy looks at me and goes, man, you're lucky you had that that lantern. I was like, why? He goes, oh, there's mambas everywhere. I was like, mambas? Really? He goes, yeah, the, the light would scare him away. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And just had this thought, like when Psalm 119, it says this. The word is like this lamp unto my feet. And the truth is, when Jesus is saying, whoever follows me, whoever knows me, is gonna do and live and act as I say. But here's the question, how many of us in this season are following him, like truly following him? What I mean by this is a little story. February 17th, 1963. A child is born in Brooklyn, New York. By the age of two, he moves to North Carolina. He has some older siblings. He starts playing the game of baseball. He's got good parents. He he likes the game of basketball. He ends up going to this high school called Laney High in North Carolina. As a sophomore gets cut from his varsity basketball team, as a junior, comes back, makes the team. As a senior, he's an All-American in high school, decides to go to the University of North Carolina to play basketball and as a freshman leads his team to a national championship, hitting the game-winning shot over Patrick Ewing's led Georgetown Hoyas team. A Couple years later, he ends up going to the NBA. He's drafted third overall. Akeem Olajuwon goes before him. Number two, Sam Bowie, poor guy, goes number two. And then number three is this guy, and he goes to the Chicago Bulls. Now, I could tell you all about this Guy, I can tell you how he met his wife. He met his wife at a Bennigan's. After a game, starts having a conversation. They start dating, they break up, they date, they break up. Maybe some of you know what that's like. And then they decide to get married. They have three kids. I can tell you his stats. I can tell you why he retired really and then came back two years later. I can tell you what he really thought about Nike. Before he ever signed a contract, I could tell you story after story after story. Who am I talking about? Michael Jordan. Yeah, and I bet some of you would go, Steve, have you ever met him? I'd be like, no, I've never met him. You know what we call those people? Stalkers. (laughs) I know everything about Michael Jeffrey Jordan, but I've never met him. Now, if some of you have a contact, hook me up, okay? But here's the deal, I've never met him. And the truth is, I think some of you know a lot of stories about Jesus. I think some of you know a lot of facts about the Bible. But I wanna ask you, have you met Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Or do you find yourself just stalking him? And you've got the right worship albums, and you've got the right leather-bound Bibles, and you people walk into your house, they go, man, he, this person. But you see what Jesus is saying? I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, whoever does as I do, whoever is my student, my apprentice, my disciple. And friends, this is what our call is, and for so many of us, we can miss it, especially during Christmas. Now, When we think about following Jesus, man, I I think the way that we get to know Jesus, where we allow that candlelight to kind of light our path, is we've got to be in the Word. This is the Word of God. And I know maybe for some of you, you're like, Steve, you're a pastor. It's probably easy for you. No. I gotta fight to get up and say, you know what? This is a priority. I gotta get in a chair and I gotta spend time in a gospel because you know what? I gotta know who Jesus is for me today. And you go in like Psalm 119, just a little bit farther, and it says this, verse 130 The unfolding of your word gives light, it gives understanding to the simple, to people like me. Like, I need it. And, and, and here's the thing, you know what keeps me up at night? It's not like what the Bible tells me not to do. What keeps me up at night is what the Bible tells me to do. To love my enemy, to forgive, to extend grace, to make room at my table. I think when you start learning the way of Jesus, it does something inside of you. And that's when you get to light up your life because you go, man, this is the best way to live. There's no other teacher, no other Lord, no other savior that could ever compare to Jesus. Any of you know who Chance the Rapper is? Some of you, okay. Uh, Let me just, he's from Chicago. He's probably one of the biggest recording artists of our day. If you don't know him, your grandkids do. If you don't know him, your kids do. And, and, and I'll just say this, um, Chance the Rapper shocked the world this week. And this is, this is basically what he told America, and he told his fans. I'm going on a sabbatical. was like, what? A sabbatical? What, what, you, what do you mean by that? And then this is what he said. I'm going away to learn the word of God, which I am admittedly very unfamiliar with. I've been brought up by my family to know Christ, but I haven't taken it upon myself to really just take a couple days and read my Bible. We all quote scripture and tell each other what God likes and doesn't like, but how much time do we spend as followers of Jesus to really read and know his word? I'm definitely guilty of not devoting time to it. And so he's just gone away, yeah, to go and read, and this is what he's been doing. He's been posting verses that he's been reading. He's been on like Facebook Live, Instagram Stories, and he's literally just reading the book of Galatians and going, does anybody want to join me? And millions upon millions of people are just listening to him read the Bible. And I'm sitting here just going, how many of us are doing it? And there's something even that's stirring within chance I think there's something that's stirring inside of you, and I bet for many of us, the Bible just collects dust, but if we're gonna actually not miss Jesus in this season, who proclaims that he's the light of the world, we've gotta be in the word. And here's my challenge to you, pick a gospel. We got nine more days, friends. Pick a gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, I chose Mark, it's the shortest, but like, choose choose one. (laughs) Choose one, dive into it. You could do it in like one or two chapters a day and just let's be reading and watch how the word of God does something. Let me just tell you this. There's a couple things about studying the scripture. When you study the scripture, you ask questions of the text. But when you meditate on the scripture, when you contemplate the words of Jesus, you know what you do? You allow the scripture to ask questions of you. You allow God's spirit to say, hey, is there any area in your life that's just a bit off from the way of Jesus? And friends, when we find ourselves, and Paul will talk about this, this is like the living book. It's not just the inspired word of God, it's an inspiring book. It continues to propel us to live more and more into the image of who God intended us to be as the people of God. And when you live and sit under its authority and you know it, man, it can do wonders in your life. So candlelight. I wake up in the morning and oftentimes I sit at my chair. It's so early and I light a candle because I want this book. I want the word. I want Jesus to light my path. Pick a gospel. Don't miss Jesus. The second light I got to tell you is one that I learned about in high school my, my senior year, I, I joined the drama team. Um, and, and my drama teacher, she was amazing. She met her husband on the set of Dances with Wolves. He's a cinematographer, did a lot of James Cameron's movies, Titanic, and all of, all of his movies, basically. And, and so she had this dream to take a high school drama team and really make it a Broadway performance. We had Broadway sets. We had Broadway clothes. We did the production of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And I was frankincense. It's my only play I've ever done. I was that bad. Now, here's what happened. We would pr- train and practice our lines at our school. And then one day, we went onto the stage of this four, 5,000 seat theater. And it was a total different thing. I stood on the stage and all of a sudden, it got super dark and there was the spotlight. And all I could see was this light. And I couldn't see the crowd, I couldn't see anybody. And this is what, it was so bright, this is what I started to do. Just got out of the light. (laughs) And my drama teacher's just like, hey, get back in the light! And I'm like, it's too bright! It's too bright. But here's the thing. John 8, 12 says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And here's what I want to tell you. Some of us, when we come before Jesus and God, we struggle with being seen by heaven's spotlight. You know, it's really wild to be fully seen and fully known, right? Because right now, in this spotlight, you know what you all can see? That I got some gray hair and not some, I got a lot of gray hair. I I can't put an Instagram filter on this. And oftentimes, some of us, we just want to live a little bit in the darkness and a little bit in the light, and we'll just put our best side forward, won't we? In the light, you all can see that I got a dimple in my chin, which I call a chimple. It's like I swallowed a lifesaver and I got stuck. And here's the deal, I can't hide that stuff. And the truth is, for many of us, we feel more comfortable here in the dark, in the shadows. And I think this affects our relationship with Jesus. It affects our relationship with God. And I think for many of us, it prevents us from praying. Uh, The first light's a candlelight. The second light is the spotlight. And we, we, if we're ever going to choose not to walk in darkness, the way that we do that, yes, we read the gospel. But secondly, we got to have a vibrant prayer life, a prayer life. You can bring the lights up, and here's what I want to just tell you, is there's just three simple ways in which I think you can just pray. The first one is this, bring your desires. Bring your desires. Bring what you honestly long for, healing of your marriage, healing of a condition, for a child to come back to faith. Bring those desires. For some of us, we don't bring them before God. For some apparent reason, we don't think we're worthy enough to bring them. And you know what? God's, God longs for that. God longs to hear our desires. And so I'll have a time where at the candlelight, I will just read a chapter or two of a gospel. And then I will just listen in silence. And then I'll say, God, can I just share with you my desires? And I just tell them. You know, it's so beautiful because in In the book of Psalms, again, Psalm 139 this time. You hear the writer saying, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Know what I desire. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The first thing when I do is I pray. I, I give God my heart. I give him my desires. The second thing as I want them to know my thoughts, and I share with them my disappointments, where I felt let down. And all the disappointment is, is whatever the gap is between expectation and reality. You expected one thing, but the reality was, it wasn't even close. And sometimes those gap isn't very much, and it's easy just to write off, but oftentimes those gaps are pretty, pretty big. And what do we do with those disappointments? And if we don't feel safe enough to bring those before God, then what are we going to do with them? And for many of us, we're just going to hold on to them. We're going to keep them to ourselves. And they eat away at us. And then we see other people on social media looking like their life is perfect. And then the unprocessed disappointment becomes bitterness towards another. And then we start to just make choices that aren't very healthy. I bring my desires. I bring my disappointments And third is Psalm 139 says, man, if there's any grievous thing in me, I want you to know it. Third, I bring my darkness. I bring the part of me that wants to hide in the shadow. I bring the part of me that just isn't right. I bring the part of me that comes from a family of origin where there's just brokenness and I'm finding myself repeat that cycle. I bring the parts of me where I just struggle with and I need redemption and I still need healing from. I bring that before God and on a daily basis try to confess it and try to bring that before him and say, teach me, heal me. But if you don't feel like you can stand before heaven's spotlight, man, you will stay off in the darkness, you will put your best foot forward and you will put on a mask to show the world that you have it all together. And deep down, That's not what God longs for. God longs for disciples who say, search me. You came to this earth for my friends and you came to this earth for me, to make me whole and to heal me. And to do that, I gotta be honest and human. If you think about, for some people, the reason they don't wanna be seen is, I think they have bad theology. I think they have bad theology. They have a bad perspective of what they think God will do if they're really honest with the sin and brokenness and decisions that they've made. And any time I sit as a pastor with someone who tells me I'd feel more comfortable in the shadows, I don't want to be honest with God, I just sit there and go, well, tell me why. And it's always because I'm afraid he's going to be angry at me. I'm like, okay, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. And the first time, the first time, anybody ever did anything wrong let's see how God responded I tell him a story there was a woman she's walking up there's a tree God had said don't eat at that tree but there was this crafty snake and some of you might know the story and the serpent just begins to say hey if you eat of this fruit you'll be just like God God's holding back on you And when the woman saw that it was desirable for gaining wisdom and pleasing to the eye, she took some and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband. He's like, free food. And he ate it. And then all of a sudden they realized, we're naked. And the woman said, I'm naked. That's so uncool. And the guy's like, you're naked. That's so cool. And they have this moment where they're like, "I I don't know what's going on. But they feel the first sense of anxiety and shame. And they do what so many of us do. They cover up. They go and they make clothes. Maybe for some of you, you go and buy clothes. They go and take some figs. And maybe for some of you, you go and eat Fig Newtons. I don't know what you do, but we all try to cover up in some capacity when we feel anxiety and shame. And then when you read Genesis 3, it says, Then they heard the sound of God walking in the cool of the day. And so they went and hid the first game of hide and seek in the Bible. And God, as he's walking, you know what he says? He says, where are you? I don't think God's like, "Um, Adam, where's your GPS location? I think he knows where Adam is. He's behind the tree. Dude, I see you. You're terrible at hiding. Get over here. What he's asking is a deeper question. Where are the people I created? Where's the image of God? Where are you? And so friends, here's what I need you to know. God's not gonna be someone who's gonna be angry when you bring that darkness. He sent his son for your darkness. He's not gonna be someone who's gonna be like, oh, I wish you would've stayed in the shadows, train wrecking your life and those around you. No, he's gonna say thank you for bringing it to the light because my son is the light of the world. And when you bring that, and you find yourself in heaven's light, then you go, man, I don't wanna walk in darkness. I don't wanna live in the shadows. I wanna live with Jesus. First light, candlelight. Pick a gospel. Second light, heaven's spotlight. And please, like, how's your prayer life? Spend time in God's word. And the third light, if you go back to John chapter eight, verse 12, it says this, I am the light of the world, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's like, you follow me, you're not going to walk in darkness, but I'm actually going to give you the light of life. I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to give you a role. I'm going to give you a responsibility. The craziest thing happened a few years ago. I, I went to um, see a U2 show. Any U2 fans here? All right, a few of you, yeah. And, and I had the chance, I've seen them a couple times, and I went to the United Center where the Chicago Bulls play, probably about 25, 30,000 people there, and, and something happened in the middle of the show. I mean, people are singing every line, and, and people just love Bono and Edge and Adam and Larry. Nobody knows the other two, but I just named them so that you do. Like, they, like people, people like were in it, and then Bono did something. He goes back by the, like the drum set, and he picks up something, and I'm just watching him. And then here's what he literally does. He picks up a searchlight, and he takes this searchlight, and he begins to point it at different sections in the venue, and, and something happens. Then when he turns on the spotlight and he begins to shoot it over here, this section loses their mind. And then he goes to the next section, and this section loses their mind. Then he goes to this section, this section loses, and he just, he spends an entire song just talking and people are losing their minds. And every section he goes, I'm sitting there going, "What, what? he doesn't see you. But every person's like, Bono sees me, he sees me. And I'm like, no, 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 you know what he sees? Thanks for the money for coming to my show. Thanks for the money for coming to my show. Thanks for the money for coming to my show. Thanks for the money for coming to my show. Thank you. And and then all of a sudden he gets to my section and when it comes on me, I'm like, oh my goodness, he sees me. Like, what happens? And yet it, it just blew me away because deep down I realized something. We all want to be seen by someone. I mean, I think some some of us have this hard time of like being really honest with God and heaven's spotlight. But I think deep down, we want our friends to notice us. We want people to see us. We want people to actually kind of know us. And Jesus came to this world to light up our life. To know you. To be in relationship with you. This wasn't about religion. It wasn't about rituals. It was about you and your relationship with God. He wanted to know your desires. Know your ache. And set you free. And God didn't just stop there. You know what he did? He gave us the light of life. And everywhere we go, we have this chance to go after people to go and just shine a light, to go and search people out, to go and try and find people who are longing, desperately longing to be known and seen. And that's what God has entrusted to us. Look what the the book of Matthew says, Jesus says this, and this is the message version, I love how it says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God this generous Father in heaven. Do you understand this? It's like when you said yes to Jesus, and when you, when you dive into a gospel and you begin to say, I wanna follow after Jesus, I don't wanna stalk him, I wanna know him. When you have these prayers where you're like, you're praying and you're giving God your desires and your disappointments and your darkness, God's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And here you go, here's your searchlight. Who are you gonna go after? Who are you gonna point people to? I remember going to Chile a number of years ago with a buddy of mine from Grand Rapids. And my buddy, Corey, had never gone surfing. And Chile has got some amazing breaks. And so I told him, I said, hey, we're going to go surfing. And we went down one day a couple hours south to this amazing, amazing beach. And we only had a certain amount of wetsuits and surfboards, so we kinda had to divvy up. And I said, hey, Cory, you go the first round. I'll sit back and I'll read. And, um, but here's the rule, here's the rule. You have one rule, one rule. It's stay with the Chilenos. Don't go off on your own. Stay with them. If they're over there, you go over there. You are their shadow, follow them. And so he said, okay. We zipped them up, sent them out, and I went back into the van and just was reading a book. Probably about 35 minutes later, this Chilean guy walks up to the van, opens up the van, and goes, hey, Mr. Steve. I said, yes. He goes, your friend Corey, he did not listen to you. I said, oh, okay. He goes, I think he's going to die. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? He goes, look. And so I get out of the van, and there's all the Chilean surfers. And then there's Corey. And he had just drifted. And I'm just watching, and he's far out. And I'm just sitting here going, this isn't good. He got married like three months earlier. This is not good. This is not the phone call I wanna make. This is not why we came to Chile. You had one job, dude, one job. And he's not on the board, and waves are just breaking, and he's just flapping his arms. And so like, I, I try to whistle, but I can't, like some people can with their, like super loud, but I'm trying to get Gabe's attention, one of the Chilean guys, and, and out of the corner, like my ear, like I can hear, I can hear Corey screaming something. And you know what he's screaming? He's screaming, Por favor! Por favor! Which, if you know Spanish, is just the word please. Please. Like, and, and all of a sudden we get Gabe over there to Corey and we start to bring Corey in. And, and finally, Corey comes in and he's just laying on the water and laying on the sand. He's like a beached whale right now. He's just exhausted. And, and I don't have the mercy gift in this moment. And I just walked up to him. I was like, dude, what were you screaming? And he's like, por favor. I was like, please. That was, that was like your go-to word. And he's like, I only know four Spanish words. Si, no, por favor, and andale. And like, I, I, like, I, I didn't know what else to say. And, and yet there was something so beautiful about this because I started thinking about it later, is that there are people in our lives who have just drifted. People in our families who have just drifted. And they don't know the right words to say. But deep down, their ache is, please, will somebody see me? Please, will somebody know me? Please, will somebody save me? Please, will somebody rescue me? Please, will somebody notice I'm gone? Maybe some of you know that you've got people in, who used to come to Northridge and they just haven't been here in the last season. They used to sit next to you and they've just been drifting. What prevents you from just picking up the searchlight, turning it on and just go, I see you, I see you. And I, I am, I, I wanna just take you for coffee Or maybe you have someone whose just life isn't going the way it needs to. What prevents you from saying, next week, come to our Christmas services. I just want you to see this. I just want you to experience it. I'll tell you what. I know in Christmas it's a lot about gifts, but can I tell you the greatest gift? A mentor once told me this. The greatest gift that you can ever give anybody is an introduction to the God who loves them. And this next week is an opportunity for you to introduce some people to the God who loves them. Last week, I talked about preparing to invite others, and I hope that you will do that because if you literally go to the gospel, like I said, and you choose one, and you actually start to pray and bring your desires and your disappointments in darkness, you know what God's gonna always do out of the gospel and out of prayer? It's gonna lead you to his heart. And you know what his heart is? For people. Every single Time. And the more you're in the word and the more that you're in prayer, the more your heart will expand for other people. Who will you invite next week? Who will you invite into your life? Who will you bring to the church that you love? Because when you do that, you introduce someone to an opportunity not to drown and drift, but to experience the one who truly is the light of the world. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for closing prayer. Hey, last week I gave you the, those kind of invite cards. If you need more on your way out, the guest services team, they'd love to give you one or two or three. And remember on the back of it, there's a place where you could write a little note. But I, I just, I'm praying. I'm praying boldly that every seat in this auditorium would be filled next weekend. And, and here's the deal. I'm not even on staff here. I, I, I don't get a commission if every, state, if every seat is filled. There's nothing. I just want that because I want you all to feel the beautiful gift of God using you to help transform the life of another. So my brothers and sisters of Northridge Church, I pray that you in this coming days before Christmas would experience who the true light of the world is. You choose a gospel. You'd find a chair and you'd sit and study and meditate on the words of that chapter or two. And then I pray that you would just pray and you would be honest and human and real with your desires, your disappointments and the darkness in your life. And, and I pray that God would hand you that searchlight. So whether you're at Starbucks whether you're at the mall, whether you're at, in your neighborhood, whether you're at a company party, you would see that God's given you and entrusted you the light of life. And I pray that you would shine it on those that have drifted so that those in their hearts who are crying out, por favor, can know that a God truly sees them. Have a blessed, blessed week. Grace and peace. Thank you.